0: Far too many Christians today turn their backs on the issues that we're supposed to face spiritually. And we write it off as a medical problem with someone. They have mental problems. They have medical problems. You need to go see a doctor when it's spiritual warfare that we're knee deep in or elbow deep in a lot of times and we're afraid to do it. Can I get an amen in the house? All right. The word breastplate occurs only five times in Scripture. One time it speaks of it. in First Thessalonians five eight says, "But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet." But My very favorite, my favorite, is Revelation nine seventeen. It references the breastplate as a breastplate of fire breastplates of fire, meaning they stood out. There was no deny that this was a man of God because the zeal of God was on his chest. He burned. He burned for God. There's not a spirit known to man on the demonic side of things that can face a person that is on fire for God. If you are truly on fire for God and you burn with his zeal, when you come in contact with it, It finds a way out. It finds a way to exit the building. It may act a fool. It may scream and holler, but it will leave. It cannot stand to be in the presence of God like that when you are so anointed, when you are so filled, when you're so overflowing. That is the importance of living a lifestyle where you continually stay in the Word and stay in prayer. Because the very... I'm going to skip to the end over here just for a second. I'm sorry, y'all. The last bit of the Scripture there... I just put it up on my phone. instead of still getting confused. The last bit of the scripture there is verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and re- requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. It says pray in the Spirit for all occasions. I mean, how many times do we say a little Play-Doh prayer? You know what I'm talking about. You know the prayers. Like, God, just touch them. You, you know the I do it. I'm guilty. I said we. How many times do we say a little Play-Doh prayer, one that we just, okay, I filled the void there, God. I made an effort. Versus how many times do we get in there and we do spiritual warfare in our private life? When we get in there and we intercede for someone. You know what intercede means? It means to step in between. If someone was, guys in here, if someone was fixing to hit a woman and you stepped in between the woman and the fist, that's intercession. Women, someone's fixing to hit a man, and you get in the way. Have on your full armor of God, <laughs> or at least the helmet. <laughs> Wear the helmet. <clears throat> uh, let's hit righteousness again. Peter referred to himself as a preacher of righteousness. Jesus commands us to seek righteousness. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom righteousness and all of these things, all these things over here that we pray for instead of coming over here and saying, God help me to walk in the kingdom. What do I have to have to have a kingdom perspective? Let me be right with that perspective. And then we'll worry about all this stuff when we come across it, because all these things we try to make right to drag it in the kingdom. Right? Once we get involved in this, all right, God, I'm bringing it under the righteousness because we need to get this in the kingdom, but that's not how it works. That's in complete reverse of how Jesus said to approach it. I'm working, people. Please, please bear with me. As a whole, I do not believe that the church understands the righteousness that falls upon us through Christ. It is not our own, but His. It can be worn boldly because He is the one who sets it upon us. He will back us when we stand in His righteousness. That's where faith comes in, right? We get to that place, okay, I, I am following Your Word. And if this does not take place, God, it's on You. Because I, I know in my heart I live a life of repentance. And I can come into Your presence just like that. And I have freedom to worship. And I have freedom to pray. And I love people. I know I genuinely love people right here in this moment, I've done what you've said to, and it's on you. And this is where God gets to step in and be God. But see, that's not something I would actually pray to God. That's just a mentality I keep towards God. Because some days you want to talk to God like that, but a lot of times if you've got that attitude as a child, our children have our phone numbers on speed dial, right? Why can we not have that mentality with God? I'm in trouble. I can hit speed dial. But there's also this blessed assurance that things are taken care of. And that, that's the place I try so hard to live from, is in that assurance. Because I hear His voice. And I know as long as if I hear His voice, He's close. We're in the room together, you can hear my voice. Unless you're watching it on your phone... And you can hear my voice at home. So the perspective of a a God-filled life, a relationship, a God-filled relationship, is do you hear His voice? Because once we come into that place of hearing His voice, we know we're within righteousness. But then the obedience to put righteousness on. See, the full armor of God is not something that we just We just get. It it is an obedience that it takes to wear it. Shoeing up in the gospel, or I like the way the King James puts it, it says shod up in the gospel. So to be shod means to be binded. So the gospel has to be binded on our footsteps, meaning there is an intentional walk that we have to spread the gospel. I intentionally look for people to tell about Jesus. I don't let it randomly come up in conversation. I am intentional about giving the gospel. I am very intentional about giving the gospel. I'm always looking for a way to tell somebody who knows a little bit about Jesus, a whole lot about Jesus, or someone that knows nothing about Jesus. I want to introduce them to my peace, my Prince of Peace. Uh, Last time I got to speak, I taught off of uh, Joshua and... What I did not hit in Joshua was when the Israelites who become Hebrews, once they crossed the Jordan River, they became Hebrews, ones from the other side or the ones that crossed over. Whenever they would set their camps up in the promised land, it was in the shape of a shoe. You can look at it off of a satellite map. You can see where they moved the rocks out of the middle of the camp, stacked rocks up around their camp. They built an altar with the rocks that was there. But everywhere that they made a camp, all the way across the Promised Land, there's foot tracks. That's amazing. God did that on purpose. God did that on purpose. Whether or not the, the Hebrews or Israelites realized that they were putting footprints that we would see today or not, it was happening. It was taking place. God set things up in such a way that He marked the promised land with His promises and His promised people as they brought them in. And so there has to be this intentional mindset that comes out of Joshua chapter 1. Wherever our foot may tread, God has already prepared the foundation for us. But it has to be intentions about what we use the foundation for. Are we growing the kingdom or our kingdom? Am I making profits off of His favor? Or am I taking His favor and applying it to people's lives around me? And see, that's the multiplication. That's the discipleship mindset. That is where the gospel comes into play. We have to be intentional about the gospel wherever our feet tread. It's time for us, the church, to make intentional footsteps. So the gospel of peace. According to Matthew 5, we are blessed if we're peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And it doesn't say peacekeepers. Peace can be forced into an environment by the faith that we carry in our presence. Don't believe me. But the next time you're in a situation, you all have that family member, you know when you have that family gathering, he or she is going to show up and they come in with a tear of hell on them every time. What are y'all laughing about? Y'all know them too. And you know, without a doubt, just as soon as they walk in, the hair is going to stand up on your neck and it's going to be instant tension in the room. And that may be you. And if that is you, we can pray for you tonight. We can go ahead and get that off of you. (laughs) And you can carry peace too. Try this. Whenever it starts to happen, bid your peace on that house. In the name of Jesus. Father, let your peace fall in this house. As long as I'm in this house, you're with me. Your presence is upon me. Your peace is upon me. Consume this house with your peace. See what happens. It works. I promise. I promise it works. And then get someone to tell you what happens after you leave. Because <laughs> maybe they thank God, you're gone. I don't know. If you're that person, if you're that person, like I said, tonight's your night. We've got plenty of oil. There's plenty of people in here ready to pray for you. And so, does anybody know anything about Wyatt Earp? Wyatt Earp, lawman, wasted his money in a gold rush. He, he, he's got a terrible story. It's not just the, it's not just the, the shows you see on TV. He, he was a very confused person, but he did carry a gun on his side called a peacemaker. Why was it referred to as a peacemaker? Because if it come out, people settle down. He didn't come in and say, hey guys, settle down. He did not move what he believed or who he was to let the environment settle down. No, he came in intentionally and pulled it out and the environment settled down. And so blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the peacekeepers. Meaning there's there's times in life you're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to speak up. Yes, it's going to be costly. It's okay to lose friends. It's okay for family members to block you on Facebook. It's okay. It's okay. But it's not okay to not take a stand. It's not okay to not take a stand in your own home. That's where we're losing the battle so much today is in our own home with our own children or with our spouses or with the family members that come into our house. You you cannot allow someone to come into your sanctuary and preach a gospel different than the one that you live by in your sanctuary to your family to tell you how you have to accept things and how this is the way it is. You have to take a stand. And if we can't take a stand in our home, you'll never be able to take a stand anywhere else. If you're a pushover there, you're a pushover everywhere because that is the place that that's our holy ground. That is our prayer closet. That is our secret place. Speaking of secret places, thank you, Jesus. Back to King David. When King David was on the run from Saul, if you look in Scripture, it says that he, he had a cave. It was called Adullam. Adullam in the original language means the secret place. And it said there was around 400 people that come in, people that uh, owed tax money, poor farmers. He brought his family in. He brought just numerous people. And these people were the most unlikely of heroes. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do with Mike? I mean, Mike's a recovering alcoholic. What, what are you going to do with Dan? Dan's, Dan just lost his farm. He's depressed. These were the people that came into the cave. But you realize the men that went into that cave, that went into the secret place, the physical cave, also went into a spiritual secret place with King David? They went in an atmosphere with a man that worshiped God, had a heart after God. And these people that come out of the cave, these were David's mighty warriors, his mighty men. That's their origin. That was not their beginning as far as who they were. There was a transformation that took place in that in that cave, in that secret place. It had to be peace in there. It had to be. Transformation can't take place without a peaceful atmosphere. Godly transformation. Now, I, you can, you can have some transformation in a chaotic atmosphere if you don't believe me, go to war. It'll mess with you. But these men turned into mighty men of God. There has to be intentions about when we invite people to our house, our children, our home, we want to replicate the things that we see in the Bible. I want my children to be so sure in their faith that they'll fight. One of David's mighty men fought. And a storm, and his hand froze to his sword. He never stopped fighting. I want my children to be like that. I want my children to be so sure in their faith, even if they do die in advancing the kingdom, that their hands cannot be pried or loose from the sword of the Spirit. That's fire right there. You need to get that tattooed somewhere. <laughs> Shield of faith. The, the, and I wrote some of these words now because they looked really neat. <laughs> I'm going to try to say this. I said it really good last night. Thu rios. And that's what the shield means. And so this shield is massive. I like to know the size of everything. You know, we think Captain America's shield whenever we see shield. It's like, oh, it's a little round shield. No, sir, no, ma'am, no way. This shield was as big as a door. It was massive, massive shield. It covered their head. You could stand behind this shield. This shield is so wide that two people could get behind it. This was not a little shield. God's our protector, and He provides ways for us to be protected. Our faith has to be large enough to somewhat cover the people around us, especially those that cannot protect themselves. Is your faith big enough for you? Is your faith big enough for you and your spouse or you and your children? Is your faith big enough for one more person? Because it has to get to that place that it's not just about me. There has to be a maturing uh, that takes place inside of you as you grow as a Christian. Because Pastor Locke uses this uh, phrase when he and I talk sometimes, but he he uses the phrase self-feeder. Can you feed yourself the Word of God? Or do you depend on an environment that you come into, like tonight, or Sunday morning, or uh, a Bible study during the week? Is that all the word that you get, or can you get up in the morning and feed yourself the word of God? Can you be disciplined enough to pray? We have to get there if we're not there. We have to. That has to be the goal. We have to, we have to be something that we want our children to replicate in faith. I want my boys Not to have faith in my faith, but for their faith to get a start off of my faith. This to be a building block, a foundation. Uh, Scripture says that we build everything that we have off of the prophets and the apostles. That is our building blocks. That's our foundation. Why can my children not start off of me in that that matter? Until they get to the place that they become self-feeders. I want my children to be mighty men of God but I'm going to have to put one on display. I'm going to have to put one on display. Believing in God and believing God. Say that again. Believing in God and believing God. Believing that God is real and believing God is two different things. We can look at creation and come to the understanding there has to be a higher power. There has to be something that puts all this in sync, that, that makes everything hold together. There has to be something. When you look at it under a microscope or when you look at it through a telescope or when you sit on the side of the Grand Canyon and watch the sun go down or when you set in, in the red rocks in Arizona and watch the sun come up or when you go to the sequoia trees in California and walk with trees that are 36 feet wide and you look up at those trees and go, oh, my God. When you see creation in that aspect, when you you stand in the middle of the Mississippi River Bridge and look at all this water going beneath you, when you hold a baby for the first time, and smell that baby, you have to go, there's something bigger. There's something bigger. Even agnostic people don't believe in the God we believe in, but believe there is some kind of a creator. Believe that. But to actually believe in what God says. Now that's where I draw a line at that I bump into with a lot of people when I get to share the gospel. People will say, I believe in God. But do you believe God? Because if you believe God, you take Him at His word. And for you to be able to take Him at His word, you have to know... His Word. And that complicates what goes on in our minds. That complicates a lot of things in our minds because we made up our mind that we believe that Jesus died on a cross. We believe that He was born of a virgin. We believe that He ascended to heaven. We believe that, that He was gone for three days and was resurrected. We believe all of these things. We believe, we believe, we believe, but do we believe Him? And that draws a line there. It's easy to get all these things to have a baseline. Okay, this is where it started. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be and there was. Okay, that's easy. God created Adam and Eve. God created man in His own image. And in His image, God said, let us create man. We got all that. We believe all of that. But do you believe Him? Do you believe His Word? Then that would fall back. Do you know His Word? Because if you don't know, you don't know His Word, you are so vulnerable. You get around some super spiritual person and the next thing you know, you go home and you have no idea what you really even believe. And you come listen to Pastor Lot preach or another great preacher that preaches on the same level as Pastor Lot, and you go, what do I even believe? I don't even know what I believe. Because we never go back to the Word and fact check even what we believe. Not just what Pastor says or what I say or what, what some other preacher may or may not say. We never fact check that. You have no idea, some of you do not, whether I'm leading you in a circle or not. Or if I'm leading you to a place where you can be better. I didn't mean that in a bad way. Please, don't say, I'm never coming back. I hate this guy. I'm fixing to go outside and sign a petition. That's it. That's not what I'm meaning by this. Where I'm directing this is we have to mature as Christians. We have to. We spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars creating better athletes in our children. For, wh- for what? For what hope? And go to college? When we can spend a fraction of that sending on the church camp. A fraction of that going to conferences so that we can, we can get into a better atmosphere of worship, a better understanding, come under a different anointing. These are the only things that's truly going to matter at the end. I'm sorry. God's not going to have a list whenever we get to heaven and say, yep, kraut, kraut. Oh, you hit a 350-foot home run. Come on in. Sorry, Mr. Jamie, you're vulnerable. (laughs) Helmet of salvation. How many people in here know that you know that you know that you know that you saved? I love that. Satan hides in our thoughts. Sometimes, and he convinces us that we're further behind than we actually are, or he can convince you you're further ahead than what you actually are. That's something you gotta be careful of too, because God will allow pride to come in and Satan to keep on fluffing the pillows if we'll lay our heads on it. I wanna go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not adequated with all the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Go on to a sixth one there. Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing... Rights and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting we do, <clears throat> we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance, to their loss, They are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. I think that's... Yep. That's a whole lot, isn't it? Not saying we don't need spiritual milk. We do. Because sometimes you get so much meat in you, you can't get it chewed up and swallowed down, and you got to have some basic facts come back in and allow you to digest the real heavy stuff. But that very back end about Impossible to crucify Jesus again. There's a place once you are born again, once you are truly born again saved, and you get caught up in mind games. You have to get back to... We cannot nail Jesus back to the cross. He has already paid for it. I have already received it. I pray in the Spirit. I know that I'm born again. I tasted the gift. I know that I'm saved. Why am I trying to nail Him back to a cross? Why am I trying to go back and redo everything that's already been done? He talked about the mindset of repentance. The mindset of repentance. Repentance is not a one and done type thing. Repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is something you live from every single day. A repented heart. Meaning that this heart never strays away from an idea or a lifestyle or being repentant. Because guess what? You're going to say a cuss word probably within the next... Year and a half. Let's, let's go big. Some of you super spiritual people. You're going to say a cuss word. Or you're going to think a cuss word. Or you're going to think a negative thought. Or you're going to look at someone in an almost lustful way. The flesh is going to get in the way. You're going to... That cousin that we was talking about that you have to pray peace over, they're going to get under your skin. It's going to happen. You're going to throw a salt shaker. Something's going to happen. And you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to dig in on repentance over it. But that mindset, that heart of repentance should never leave. That should always be first and foremost. That comes in humility. God, I know that I am imperfect. I know that I don't have it together. And I know I have to maintain this, this ideology, this mindset to stay in your presence. That way we don't have to go back now, Jesus, to the cross all over again. I've Been there. Anybody else in here honest about it? There we go. There we go. That's what that's talking about. The helmet of salvation. That has to be made up. You have to know that you know that you know that when the Holy Spirit filled you, there is no going back. You cannot change that. You cannot change that idea. You cannot change your mind on this. You cannot change your mind on this. Y'all remember whenever we left... We pulled everything out of Afghanistan. Y'all remember that? When people were hanging on to airplanes, y'all seen that on the news, trying to get out of the country, and you see them fall five, six hundred feet, you just see them fall. That was real. That was not some movie that we watched. That was very, very real. Shar Law took back in an effect, and within 48 hours, they were killing Christians. They didn't show any of that on TV. Muslims come in, start wiping out their own people that had been converted to Christianity? How many of those never took the helmet of truth off, never took the helmet of salvation off? How many of those people died with the breastplate of righteousness on them? How many of those people do you think when we do get to see them in heaven, if we can visually see the full armor of God on each other, how many of those do you think their armor is just polished up and squeaky clean? That puts things in perspective. We have way too many freedoms here. Because if I can... I, I'm not even going to get started. We have way too many freedoms. I love the fact that we have freedoms. I love the fact that, that I get to do this freely. That I freely get to share the gospel. I love that. But the freedom that we have has allowed us to get so relaxed in what we believe and how we, how we live for God. So relaxed in that. That's the reason, it's one of the main reasons people came to America to begin with is because we can worship God freely without persecution. But I bet, and I've never been a gambler, if we started to experience some persecution, our faith, our worship, our word study, and the Word of God would grow exponentially. Anybody want to put any money on the table on that? Sword of the Spirit. So I looked this word up too, and I'm not even going to attempt to say it. It has too many syllables in it. It's almost as bad as Mississippi. But if you're a local, you say Mississippi and you leave, leave an ISS out in there somewhere. But this sword is actually a dagger. It's about 18 inches long. So we got this massive shield the size of a door, and we got the sword that's the size of a dagger. And so, the shield is to protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy, correct? Isn't that what scripture says? What about the ones that get around the door when we got something hung out? The word, or the spirit of the truth, the sword of the spirit, excuse me, is to dig those darts out. It's to go in. Warriors in those days, a lot of your archers, they had a small dagger on them, had a bow and a quiver full of arrows. They did not carry a full-size sword for maneuverability. But they were getting shot back at. And so the goal was, if you did get shot, dig it out, tie it off, and go back into battle. So we take this little dagger to dig out the arrows that get by the shield. The dagger can also be used in defense as well. But that was not their intentional purpose. So the, the thing about wounds in life is the wounds that we face a lot of times, the wounds that you're going to testify of if we go to a room and, and we're getting to know one another, you're going to testify of things you got hurt in life. The wounds. Where I encountered this as a little boy or a little girl, and this happened, and this really changed my life for the for the worse. And there was this that happened and this that happened, and this that happened. But what happens if we learn to speak the word over those issues? Over every one of those issues. We take the sore of the spirit, we dig it out to speak the word over the wound, let the wound heal it up. Now now we got a testimony to match the word. This is what happened when I was here, but this is what God did and fixed it. Dalton Thomas wanted to touch the wounds of Jesus' hands. I will not believe that He is resurrected unless I can stick my fingers in His side, unless I can stick my fingers through the nail holes. A lot of times people have to see the fact that you were in a place that they were similar They have to see the scars. They they have to see the scars. That is the only way they will receive the testimony. But if they can see the scars and hear the testimony, guess what? There is a tremendous chance that you can lead them to Jesus. Tremendous chance. And a lot of you in here know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, he's rambling now. No, he's not. Praying in the Spirit. Oh, Lord. There is a realm of declaration that we have access to in the spirit. In this realm of declaration, we get to move mountains in faith. We have a uh, a group of people that we meet up um, as often as we can, and we're we uh, operate in intercessory prayer. That's what we do. We intercede and we do our best to to maintain that relationship. We wear the full armor of God because. You, you have to be in check to go in between and intercede. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's, if we can't get prayers off the ground for our own selves, we're going to have a lot of issues praying for other people. And so we get inside this realm, inside this mindset, inside this faith, and we start speaking things in motion. And we have seen some awesome things take place. Granted, it is a work in progress. The, the, the more ground we've made, it seems like the more prayer requests that's coming. That prayer request list has uh, grown. It was small, and then it got small, and then it got big, and then it got small, and now it's like, just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, which is good because we've got people that's trusting us with our faith now. That's a wonderful thing. But in the realm of declaration and influence in spite of spiritual prayer, what if I told you prayer activates activates full armor of God? What if I told you that? Would you believe it? That that is the catalyst. That is the thing that causes the full armor of God to to light up. That's the thing that causes the, the breastplate of righteousness to be on fire. That is the thing that opens up your mouth when you're talking to God. And the next thing you know, you got rivers of living water coming out of your belly. The next thing you know, what you walk in, you actually believe. The next thing you know, you can stand beside somebody with your shield and block for them and dig with the sword of the Spirit, dig the darts out of them. The next thing that you know, you become something that you always dreamed about and wondered if it was possible, and it is so very possible. This scripture here is not written to the the most open-minded. Oh my gosh, no! It's it's written to the little man. It's written to you. It's written to me. We're to pray in all situations and in all circumstances in the Spirit. That's not a if you choose to. That's not a, if you get time to. That is the only way. If, if we're not praying from a spiritual standpoint, if we're not praying heaven down, then our prayers are not making very much avail. It, it, they, they don't get very far. But when we learn how to pray heaven down on earth as it is in heaven, when we can pray heaven down from a heavenly perspective and to know that none of these things that we're battling here exist in heaven, since it don't exist in heaven, God, we don't have to fight it here. We we are seated in high places with Jesus Christ. and There has to be this mindset, this... We have to get creative well how we apply the Word of God to our life. We have to get creative, because God is a creative being. We have to get creative whenever we start praying things in motion in our homes. I'm, I'm, I' promise I'm going to get close to closing here in just a minute. Jacob run away from Esau. He stole Jacob's uh, blessing. Jacob stole Esau's blessing. Esau gave Jacob his inheritance, but then he tricked Esau out of his blessing. In order to keep Jacob from dying, he goes to live with his mother's brother, Laban. That's his uncle. While he's over there, he meets his wives and their handmaidens and starts having kids and he gets tricked into staying, uh, 20 years, I think, altogether. But the last stay, last seven years stay, he says, stay and prosper. I will give you, Laban told him to, uh, that he would give him some of his herd and herdsmen. And you stay with me. I know the favor of God is upon you. Jacob would go to the watering holes, the watering troughs, the feed troughs, and he would take these twigs, these sticks, and he would put stripes on them and speckles on them. Well, see, the goal was for Laban, all of his herd, all the solid-colored goats were the strongest, the biggest, the best. That was it. Mine are the solid, yours are the speckles and the striping. So Jacob, this don't say it anywhere in Scripture where God told Jacob to do this as I say, Anything along those lines. But Jacob done this in faith. Just this creative idea. I'm going to stick these sticks with stripes and speckles here in these water troughs. And whenever these these goats come to water, when they see these sticks, they're going to multiply. The solids are going to drop speckles. The solids are going to drop sp- uh, uh, striped. But if there was any speckles or stripeds that came to the watering trough that were weak and feeble, he snatched those sticks out of the way. He didn't want weak and feeble to reproduce weak and feeble. He wanted the strongest. He wanted the best. He wanted the healthiest. God didn't tell him to do that. I'm not telling you to get sticks and st- stick at the dinner table in front of your children or that crazy cousin that comes. Don't, don't show her a switch. Please, God, don't show her a switch. It could turn out bad. But what I am telling you is get creative with your faith. Get creative with your faith. We, we have the opportunity to do things like that. Just imagine that this idea come in your head and you say, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. But every time you come in this atmosphere, you come around this person, this idea keeps coming up, keeps coming up. What if you done it? What if you done it? I mean, they started cutting pieces of Paul's clothes up and giving them away as prayer cloths. Who gave them that idea? Who gave them the idea? Be creative with your faith. <clears throat> it says we're praying in the Spirit for one another. And something I'm coming to understand in interceding for people is a lot of times we'll come together and have a prayer meeting and we, we focus on individual needs. It's like, I'm, I'm going to God over this person in my family, and she's going to God over her neighbor, and this person's going to God for this, and we're all together praying in faith. Granted, we're praying in faith. God's moving, but whenever we get together in one accord for one particular issue, we see them move. We see those mountains move. Because we're joined together in one accord. And so that has to be intentional about our praying too. That's when you have opportunities to get together and bind together and pray. Be intentional about what you pray about. Don't just let it be a broad spectrum of prayer where you pray for your needs, I pray for my needs. No, let's have a particular need, a target, and let's focus on that target, and let's see if God will come through. Because He will. He backs up His Word, and He will back up your faith in His Word. Uh, With one of these items missing, we can't stand against the enemy for very long. But with all these items in attack, we can face unsurpassable odds. The armor of God covers our most weakest areas and protects our most vulnerable weaknesses. Write this down. We were born for a fight. We were born for a fight. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's what we were created for. Use godly tactics and the battles that God has in your life for you to fight. Use godly tactics. Approach everything in a godly manner. Approach everything in love. Approach God's word in faith. Apply that word to your life. Get it in your mind. Get it under that helmet. Sometimes that helmet is a wall that keeps stuff out. Sometimes it keeps good stuff out because we're hard-headed under that helmet. is a wall within a wall. We have a purpose as a church. God created us for such a time as this. If we were created for any other time, we would have been there. But we're here. And we question God a whole lot. I say we because I think we all do. We question God a whole lot about what's my purpose? What am I here for? Why am I facing this? Why, 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 why? I can tell you why. Because you're created with the purpose to face it. I'm going to stand up and close out. Uh, Anybody familiar with the Gospel of John or any of John's writings? He always referred to himself as the one who Jesus loved. And we get this picture of John before Jesus ascends to heaven. It says that the one who Jesus loved put his head on Jesus' chest. Laid his head on his chest. You think he could hear his heartbeat? I think in that perspective, whenever we When we maintain that kind of a lifestyle, when we love Jesus like that, when we get close enough that we can hear His heartbeat, it don't take a whole lot to hear His voice. And whenever we enter in His presence like that intentionally, He does intentional things in our lives. Because He knows everything there is to know about us, good, bad, inside out. He knows it. There is nothing that we can hide from God. There's not enough fig leaves to sew together to put on and so the the intentional part of this is, you know, how where do I God, where do I start at? Do I put the helmet on? Do I put the shoes on? The breastplate? Do I just get my sword and run out of the door. What do I do? And there has to be this intentional lifestyle we have with Jesus where we get close enough to him that we can hear his heartbeat. Do you know him like that? That that's a Huge question I've been wanting to ask the church, and I just haven't had spiritual liberty, but do you know Jesus in the sense that you can put your head on His chest? Do you know Him like that? Do you want to know Him like that? I I hope this gets broadcasted because that I hope somebody sees this and shows up at church one Sunday and says, I want to know Jesus like that. I want to know Jesus so intimately, I know the cadence of his heartbeat because he already knows the cadence of mine. I want to know him so intimately that when he whispers something, I can hear it. I want to know Jesus to the point that when I put this armor on, it doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter if I do get hit by a dart of the enemy. It doesn't matter because I'm already on fire. That fiery dart has no effect on me because I burn for him. I already burn for him. So tonight, make a simple altar call is that, is it possible that we can all get an altar together and pray one accord for what's some stuff that we've got coming up here for our church? As we've got church camp coming up. And in this very room, hundreds of Children, teenagers, young adults will be here in this place and they will get to experience God. In this room, I don't know how many people have already been called at church camp to be ministers, to be missionaries, to be deeply involved in ministry. I don't know how many people have been filled with the Spirit. We're in the 100s from what I understand. I don't know how many salvations we've had here at this place since it started. But we're fixing to be all summer long crazy, crazy here. And then we've got another uh, denomination organization coming in and they're, they're going to use the facilities for their church camp. They're going to have a week here. So we're going to have like five or six weeks of church camp. In this room is where they're going to worship. And if you had guests, if you had family coming to stay with you from out of state, you hadn't seen in a decade, you didn't know what kind of conditions they lived in, but you would have them a bed with fresh sheets to come sleep in, right? You make sure the good china was down off the top cabinet and washed up and pretty. We're fixing to eat good. So with that same mentality tonight, we're just going to pray in this place. We're, we're going to prepare the atmosphere for them to come into in faith. And when they walk in these doors, that the world is going to shut up. They're going to walk into an atmosphere of peace. They're going to walk into an atmosphere where God can talk to them. They're going to walk into an atmosphere where they can hear Jesus' heartbeat. And that's how I want to close out tonight. That's different. That's creative. That's creative. So if you would, please come to the altar. Uh, everybody online, I love y'all. Hope to see y'all soon.